let's talk about the different, some of the main theorists and schools of thought within in the discussions of imperialism. Uh, you know, in your book, you, you mentioned the historical materialists, and they, of course, influenced the Marxists. You, you talk about John Hobson, who he articulated a theory of imperialism in the first decade of the, of the, the 1900s, arguing about how imperialism was related to capitalism, but that thesis was later updated by Lenin, most famously in Imperialism, the High Stage of Capitalism in 1916, in which Lenin emphasized the, the fact that imperialism is integral to capitalism, that in fact, imperialism is the highest stage of capitalism. They are not separable as systems. And he emphasized the role of finance capital and the hegemony of finance capital representing, you know, certain national uh, the interests of certain national bourgeois classes in, in pushing imperialism. There's, this also gives rise to dependency theory. Maybe you can summarize dependency theory. And then, of course, you have in the, uh, you know, the 1990s and early 21st century, you have the rise of the so-called post-Marxist Hart and Negri. They have this famous book, Empire, where they conceive of imperialism as this kind of vague idea that's, that is, uh, you know, international, but it's not rooted in a particular nation state. And it's, uh, it's much, much more of like a um, globalized neoliberalism. So talk about the different schools of thought on imperialism and how that influenced your analysis of the tripartite state in the U.S. deep state. So the people who are perhaps best situated to really talk about empire and to, to get into the heart of it and, and say, this is, what, this is the way we got to think of things, are because civilization and empire are pretty much they go hand in hand. Civilization uh, is ex, you know you have city states starting out, and they eventually because they master agriculture and they become more complex, they expand and they incorporate other uh, hunter gatherer societies or nomadic societies into their sphere of influence, or they clash with them. I mean that's a big part of the history of Chinese civilization, which is a history of imperial expansion. Uh, of a sort. And, and in the Chinese case, their uh, historical enemies for centuries were the nomadic people of the Asian steppe who were often on, on horseback versus sort of expansionist Chinese farmers, right? And so this, that's why some of your earliest sort of formulations of, um, of, of realist thought are not necessarily in the West, but like some Chinese strategists and military strategists like Sun Tzu or uh, various legalist scholars who are just going to realistically look at the realities of human conflict and try to break them down into uh, axioms and other prescriptions for leaders in terms of how they can uh, wor operate in such a world, in a, in a world as it is, dealing with the harsh reality of the world. And so re realists, the realist school in the West in international relations, and, and they have some you know, bleed over to like realists doing historical work. But these are people who believe that, like the state, is uh, seeks to maximize its power in a in a world system characterized by anarchy. So there's really nobody. It, it's self. It's a self help world. There's no big entity that's going to like save you from the other more powerful states. <clears throat> You've got to save yourself. So states band together to balance more powerful actors to hold on to any amount of sovereignty, or they try to overwhelm and dominate other countries to the extent that they can. This is uh, sort of the wheelhouse of realism. <clears throat> and these scholars have a history in the U.S. 
going back, especially to once the U.S. starts to become a more expansionist power. So it sort of in fits and starts in the mid-1800s after the U.S. acquires Mexico and Mexican territory on the West Coast. They immediately go into Tokyo Bay and they want this overseas empire. And later people write about this, like towards the end of the 1800s, you have people like uh, Mahan, uh, who was writing about how the U.S. needed to become a maritime power, that any great power is going to have to be a naval power. And so the U.S. should go this way. This is kind of like early realist thinking in the United States. But there's a longer tradition of it in Europe because the European countries are always at war with their with with peer competitors. Okay, that's kind of the nature of that's the essence of European history. A lot of fighting among countries that have some sort of parity against each other. And so they just fight and fight and fight. And this sort of fuels the development of, of more sophisticated kind of political systems and technology and economics. And uh, it sets the stage for European imperialism because they got so good at organizing for war and, and conquest that it sort of led naturally to colonialism in some ways. And so the realists, but the realists in America emerge in a more prominent role once the U.S. itself enters that kind of a stage, which entailed the elimination of the frontier and really the total subjugation of the indigenous population in the United States, which really is wrapped up by about the end of the 1800s. And at that point, you have more people strategizing about how to become a, a dominant international power, and that's the direction that the U.S. You know, heads off towards uh, instead of reforming its political institutions in the wake of financial panics at the end of the 1800s. Instead, they go for expansion, which means you acquire resources and markets uh, in, the, in the international scene and the places that were nearby and kind of vulnerable for the U.S., sort of nearby, sort of not, Spanish. So they go after the Philippines and Cuba, and that's sort of what they and they had gone after Hawaii, you know, a few years before the Spanish-American War, you know, in, a de, in the decade before the Spanish-American War. And this was an example of the U.S. starting to enter this this realm of international competition where realism is uh, the main mode of analysis, where you're looking at other states and assessing their power and figuring out how you can maximize your own power and go about it that way. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 